0: Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Scrap 2, Season 2, Episode 35. We're here on Memorial Day weekend, and we got a good one. Rob Font ran over Cody Garbrandt. Max Holloway is returning against Yair Rodriguez. Khabib gives his thoughts on the future of the lightweight division. John Jones has finally got himself a real manager. Tyron is down to get slapped. A preview of UFC 263 and a few other fights. And a little bit of bullshit and whatever. Stay tuned.
1: Scrap, scrap, like right. i mean, I'm fierce, I'm mad, I'm rude. I got that pro fighter attitude. I'm in the octagon with the podcast on let's talk about it on scraptitude. You know I've been the best, grab my belt and begin to flex so wild. I might hit the rap. We got the winner's circle segments and the two-on-five takeaways with Tim and Jeff. So just kick back. Grab a brew is fight night, so you know what we have to do, whether a power punch or a grapple move. You know we got you covered on scrap the tooth, so just kick back. Grab a brew is fight night, so you know what we have to do, whether a power punch or a grapple move. You know we got you covered on scrap the tooth, yeah. Scrap Scrap, 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 Welcome back everybody to another episode of the Scraptitude Podcast. My name is Timothy Lewis and I am joined here today by the man of the people,
0: Jeffrey Akins.
1: And we want to wish you all a very happy Memorial Day. Mm. And in that same breath we want to remind you, about the troops. Mm. They protect our freedom. They're the reason why we podcasting here today. Mm. The reason why we had nice beach weekends. Mm. So, shout out to the troops.
0: Team America. Oh fuck yeah. yeah. Kiss my ass and suck up my balls.
1: <laughs> Basically. Uh, and also, on an unrelated note, shout out to Amin Rahman on the intro. And... Uh, well, let's let me let me ask you, Jeff. How how has your Memorial Day weekend been? Uh, you doing uh, okay?
0: Yeah, it was a good time. Um, uh, we were down on the shore, a little, you know, over in Margate. Um, Weather's not too hot. Weather was not too hot, but uh, it did not deter the folks. No, nope. that's for sure.
1: Plenty of people turned out, and uh, I was also in the beach house in the Avalon area, and. Uh, you know, I was, I was very happy there was no traffic going up and down, and I thought that would mean there was no people out there. But much like your experience, there was a, I don't use this word often, but hella people.
0: Hella people.
1: There were, there were a lot of people, and none of them were at the beach because it was 50s <laughs> and rainy and awful most of the time. Yep. However, I actually did get in the pool at one point. My friend whose house we were staying at, he has a, a little heated pool. Nice. So we hopped in there for about 15 minutes after really? a couple tequila shots, feeling brave. Because it's like we, we went here for the weekend. We gotta we gotta get aquatic at some point. Mm. So aqua tim is out there. That's good. Yeah, swimming.
0: Aqua tim.
1: Aqua tim. Yeah, lots of people call me that. Oh. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, uh, so all good and all good in uh, Jeffelvania How uh, things hanging out there?
0: Um. Yeah, we're out here cooling. Um. The show was a good time. The COVID was not a thing, but it was fun. So, um, everything else is cool, and, you know, know, uh, today was a nice day, weather's good, finally, this is, Memorial Day, I guess is appropriate, the only day to actually be nice during the Memorial Day weekend.
1: Yeah, well, I said, we got all the rain, because not enough people were respecting the troops, so God was crying. (laughs) You laugh, you laugh, but God wasn't laughing.
0: (laughs) God was not laughing, indeed. God bless America. He says, "Respect the troops and sign up." <laughs> Good lord. Yeah.
1: Okay. So it's been a it's been a slow and winding pathway into this podcast scrap too, oh but we are bringing the energy here going forward. That is hilarious.
0: Yes, we're in it, boys. So I'm excited to be back. It's been a long time, but look, the real deal is Timothy ex- is. So excited because his boy, the Chris, is finally walking again. Oh, is he? Yeah, you didn't see his video. How are you- how You you put your whole life and soul behind this man, and you can't even show him the respect oh, that he wrecked he right the stone. troops
1: You don't support the troops. Chris Wyman Whoa. supports the troops.
0: What do you mean, All-American. We out here supporting Chris everybody. Wyman. What you mean? Mm-hmm. You out here hating on the troops. Anyway, I seen you I seen you on the social to... medias, dog.
1: Wait, wait, wait. You want to rewind this back for a second. I, I, got, I got caught up in defending myself <laughs> and didn't even realize, why would I defend myself? It's a good thing that he's walking. Like, the man's recovering from a traumatic <laughs> injury. And somehow that's a slight to me. Good shit, Chris. I hope that you uh, prevail and you find happiness and solace in the progression that you're making, and that your family's there for you, and that you're enjoying some good barbecue on Memorial Day.
0: He's from New York. I don't think they barbecue that well up there. So okay, well, but I'm sure there's a good place. I mean, can it might go. be
1: upstate, and they might have like the land and. The trees he's and a the Long grass. Island guy. Him and
0: Matt Sarah are oh, probably right, just talking right, right. shit in the, in the backyard. You
1: know everything about Chris Weidman, and somehow I'm the one who loves him so much. He isn't he his Seems boy? Seems like I'm getting out competed in Chris Widman trivia here. Whoa!
0: Everybody knows Matt Sarah. Still his as boy. from Long Island. Still his boy. Well, no, Sarah. Wait, Sarah's, wait. Is Sarah from Long Island. He's from New Jersey.
1: I, I think Sarah's from Long Island. Yeah, he. Frankie's New from rocker. Jersey. Yeah. Frankie's from Jersey. Yeah, Frank yeah, from yeah, Jersey. yeah. Tri-state boys. They breed them tough out here in the Northeast.
0: Tough. Yes. I don't know about...
1: Eh, yeah. Yeah. What was it Chris Wyman said? He said he had feminine shins. <laughs> oh, he my God. Luke, Luke Rockhold said <laughs> he that Chris feminine Wyman. feminine
0: shins. Oh,
1: my God. It was
0: just like, bro, really?
1: Talk about kicking a man while it's down. But it's a, it's a cyclical process with Luke Rockhold. He gets brutally finished, mm-hmm. and he hides in the shadows... And then dude, he was... comes out of the crevices once he's pieced together his self-image and starts talking about how he sees dude, flaws in the champions, dude, it's how everybody else is weak.
0: Hurt people hurt people, and we need to help Luke Rockhold. But the
1: karmic, <laughs> the, the karmic cycle is going to come back upon Luke Rockhold. He's uh-huh. already talking about how he's a bad matchup for Israel Adesanya, yeah, how he sees flaws in his game, how he's going to strike at distance with him when, but more like if, if. he ever gets that matchup. But I think we know, we've heard the story before. Last time it was John Jones and the holes in his game. Oh and God. Jan Blahovich was just a stepping stone to what Luke Rockhold was destined to achieve. Well, he who is it him. this time that goes and plunders the Rockhold estate?
0: Corbin Gasolone.
1: You think Corbin's going to take his chin? Mm-hmm. I'm into that one.
0: I think uh, Corbin seems to have gotten a little bit of fire in his step after realizing that he can't stay pudgy off cheeseburgers every camp. Well, that fire in
1: his step was quickly doused with the slick hands and movement of Robert Whittaker.
0: That's, yeah. And I think
1: that's a good fight for it's Luke Robert Rockhold. I think it's a good fight for the both of them because mm. it's somebody with name equity for Gastel to fight. It's also a winnable fight for It's Luke. also a winnable fight. And then Rockhold, it's a guy who also has some of those same variables, mm. who's also shown to be a cut below the top echelon of this division.
0: Mm. I just want someone who... Luke is cocky enough to stand around with his chin down with his I'm sorry, with his chin up and his hands because that's Luke is the type of dude where like when you give him the matchups that he's supposed to win, he finds spectacular ways to lose them and mm-hmm. you're just like Uh. Uh oh,
1: uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> it's just... I mean that, that loss to Jan Blahovich. That was right after Jan Blachowicz had a uh performance men were critical of against Jacare. Mm-hmm. Uh I mean he he definitely beat him and by um Oof. Margins statistically, but Luke Rockhold came in there so fucking cocky. Like, who is Jan Blahovich? And that's the thing about this sport is you've got these thoroughbred dudes from all corners of the world Mm -hmm. dedicating their life to this, and then you've got certain characters who think that they can gallivant around, take a sabbatical, and come back without having lost a step. And he's
0: 36.
1: Rockhold's 36 now?
0: Yeah. That's the biggest thing. I'm like, bro, if if he was 33, I'd be like, all right, maybe he can swing in. 36 is not the, the move.
1: No, no. But he always finds a way to rebuild that confidence, only to have the most crushing <laughs> defeats. <laughs> but let's get into some other news here. Yes. Um, and not feminine chins. I mean shins. I mean news. News. Rob Font defeated Cody Garbrandt. Oh, this yes. is not new news, but it is however news. This transpired two weeks ago. No fights this past weekend, so I guess it's what is technically a week ago. This yeah, is the most recent news. It's the most recent news that we have, and I thought Rob Font was going to win. I called that uh, a few months out. Jeff, I think you were in agreement there, but uh-huh. uh, did, you, did you have him winning? Yes. Yeah. I think we both expected Rob Font to knock him out, though.
0: Yes, but this fight was very odd for Cody Garbrandt. Odd in what way? He looked like a man who did not know the type of fighter he wanted to be mm. in the cage. Okay. Um, he seemed to be attempting to emulate a fighters that he isn't. He's never really been a diverse, mixing your kicks in with your punches and really using that to like open stuff up. You know, Garvin has always been a essentially a pocket boxer. He's loved sitting in the pocket and timing dudes. He's always been a little reckless, but he's found himself able to win fights like that. And it seems like he he kind of hit a point of regression at Team Alpha Male where he seemed mm. to have peaked a little bit, and now he he's they're trying to like do stuff for him. I guess that's not really working, and I don't know what it is. But you can kind of I don't know you you can see it. He was hesitant on a lot of stuff, and it, it seemed like things that Cody would normally pick up on just. Sticking in the pocket and stuff that like uh Font was bending over a lot. Cody's got a crazy uppercut. I don't understand. You know, he was he wasn't really timing it too it much. It was those
1: feints, man. Yeah, but it was the feints of it's Rob
0: Font. The combination of feints and I think that Cody is caught up in his own head right now, and he's slower. And it's making him slower. And it's the combination of that. It's just he's usually able to be the first one to land, and now. He's hesitant, and now he's unsure, and these dudes are just getting him to bite, and now he looks he looks kind of shook in the pocket now. Cody never really was, seemed like someone who was shook, but when he was in there with Font, Font seemed to just be cool and collected, and Cody was just kind of like getting pieced up, just like, oh, shit, like turning his back well, around to him. Cody,
1: Cody is used to earning respect. Yeah. He's used to hitting you with that shot and it, dis- it being discouraging. And he hit Rob Font with that shot on a number of occasions, and Font didn't give him any room to breathe. Mm. There was very few points in the fight where Cody was pushing forward at all. Yeah. In the last round, he went forward a little bit, but at that point, he was too deflated. Rob Font was too far ahead, and uh, it just—it just wasn't going to going to happen there. It was a hail yeah. mary attempt. But Rob Font pieced this together in an expert way. He knew that Cody Garbrandt's a twitchy fighter who's looking for that counter shot, so he threw eight million jabs and <laughs> twenty million feints. Yeah. And Cody Garbrandt had a difficult time understanding when the jab was going to come. You know he wanted to reach with that uh, overhand right, come over top of the jab. Mm. And he caught him once or twice with it. But the the norm was Rob Font dictating the terms of engagement and the timing with that jab. I give him the credit. I think Cody's always been a limited fighter. And I have compared him to Amir Khan previously. Mm. As in he has a certain variable, speed, mm. that has underpinned his entire game. Mm-hmm. And that's great so long as you figure out ways to develop your portfolio around that speed. But Cody Garbrandt is somebody that, that much like Amir Khan, has just become reliant on it. Mm. And once you get to the highest level, uh, that type of characteristic, yeah, you may still have outlier speed, but guys are able to adjust. Mm-hmm. And these qualities become less special. And what becomes more important is things like age-adjusted experience and durability and versatility. Mm. Cody Garbrandt did try to bring his wrestling into that fight. I think that was a pivot he made as a result of being soundly outboxed. But in the end, Cody Garbrandt is largely the same fighter he's always been. Mm. He was prodigious in a way that he was able to capture bantamweight gold at 25 years old. But he has not made significant improvements. The calf kick that was an illuminating factor in the Asuncial fight was all of a sudden an old trick by the time it got around to Rob Font. He didn't have other wrinkles that were built upon, and it looked like that was maybe the only development for him, besides Mm. the fact that he wasn't going to run in and get himself knocked out. (laughs) But Font hurt him a number of times, and he brought that durability into question which is the same reason we pop we well I know that I thought Rob Font was going to knock him out.
0: Mm. Hm. I mean, yes, I did mean, on on the side of for Rob Font for me, he looked like someone who had really just he found his stride and was really making all the right decisions and that's kind of how I felt. It felt as though we were watching Cody fall out of himself and watch Rob Font come into himself at the same time.
1: And it just just funny cuz Cody's younger. Yeah. And but it, Rob Font has like the air of the like new upstart contender mm. kind of guy, and uh, Cody Garbrandt feels like he's the guy that's getting cycled out as mm-hmm. the member of the previous generation of the division. Yeah, kind of weird how that is. Hmm. Well, I was happy that I won a bit of cash on Rob Font. I actually caught him as an underdog, but mm. unfortunately, a lot of my bets—I was right on almost every fight at the night, but my parlays were, <laughs> admittedly, idiotic. Uh, j- just in the fact that there would be one fight that threw it off, killed me. Uh, Font fa- failing mm-hmm. to finish. Cody killed mm-hmm. me. Felicia Spencer killed me.
0: Uh, Felicia killed a lot of people. Mhm,
1: mhm. Yeah, I mean.
0: Bye, Felicia.
1: At the end of the day, you can do things right and end up with the wrong result. Mm. I would have bet on Felicia again and again and again with the information I had available.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, maybe now that I know what happened in that fight, how it mm-hmm. transpired, I would think twice about But even still, if that was a five-round fight, Felicia Spencer might have taken it because she started to pre- uh, pressure her, fucks her face against the uh, against the cage towards the end. There, she started laying some elbows. She started embracing her physicality, but she, anyways, that's that's <laughs> another story. Uh, Felicia Spencer, we'll see how long that division sticks around the UFC.
0: Yeah, so
1: so Max Holloway and Yair Rodriguez, Yair Rodriguez, El Panera, is scheduled. For... El Panera. Yeah, because because he basic, he basic like Panera bread. No, it is, it's El Pantera. I think that means, like, kitty cat or something in That's
0: Spanish. fucking hilarious. But
1: they're scheduled to fight. Yeah, I, I'm not a Yair Rodriguez guy. Like Panera. Yeah, I, I ain't, I ain't a, a Panera guy. Uh, but that that fight's scheduled for July 17th. Yair Rodriguez spent the last year and a half running away from Zabit Magomed Sharipov.
0: I don't know about that.
1: And now he's taking this fight, undoubtedly, because the reward is so high.
0: So... I feel like we have to retcon that because Zabit is just body shook from COVID now. Clearly no he one was running. COVID. Or whatever. What he you, has the not, diaphragm spasm, yeah. Jeffrey.
1: We went over this.
0: So clearly no one was running from Zabit. He clearly has been.
1: That fight was scheduled like three or four times.
0: Cle- Zabit's and been gone for like a year or Yair so. Yair
1: Rodriguez was previously cut for not accepting yeah. the fight when it was offered by the UFC. But who gives a fuck about facts, right, Jeffrey? Not, as long as you get to rag on Zabit. I'm
0: not. I'm not trying to rag at him. I'm trying to say maybe. Top hater. I'm not. Maybe. But I'm just saying Zabit <laughs> just may have been broke the whole time and was trying to play like he wasn't.
1: So he's the one that had Yair Rodriguez flee the country, hiding from USADA?
0: Whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't know. I don't know if those two oh, things. Now, now you don't know. Now well, don't I don't know. think they're connected. I think him, I do know. I,
1: I do think they're connected. I think
0: him running from Usada is a little bit different of a situation than him not fighting Sabi. But well, maybe they're one the same. Maybe
1: he felt like he needed some extra juice, some mm. extra fuel in the mm. engine, and mm. he saw the menace that is Sabi. But my Uh but my man, evolved, uh, uh, but my man signed my man signed to the fight,
0: my man signed to fight Max Holloway, who clearly is clearly a level above all of that. So
1: I hear you, yes. But the fight is a higher reward fight for him.
0: Oh, so you're saying the beat has accomplished nothing in terms of usefulness as a contender and fighting him has no meaning, so maybe he should actually What I'm
1: saying is Max Holloway has more established brand equity and he's a former champion. And I'm not going to somehow use (laughs) Max Holloway's ridiculous accomplishments his supreme resume as a way to discount the caliber of fighter that Zabit is. Makes no sense. Makes no sense. But July 17th, that's a good one.
0: Uh, Early thoughts. Early thoughts.
1: Early thoughts, man. I'm a little scared for Max Holloway just because Yair can hit you with some sneak shit like he did to Korean Zombie. Mm. But Max Holloway... I. My early thoughts are this goes kind of like the Anthony Pettis fight where Yair Rodriguez doesn't have the uh, the room to breathe or to get mm-hmm. off the techniques that he wants to get off. He's not going to be able to deal with the hand speed and the superior boxing of Max Holloway, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I think Max is going to run him over, but it's going to be a fun fight.
1: Yeah, it'll be fun, it'll be fun for like the first round and a half, maybe.
0: No, it'll be good. We're going to get three solid rounds out of Yair, at least. You think? He went pretty fucking hard with Korean Zombie, which makes me think he can take punishment. And I don't know, Max probably
1: he can, but KZ more hittable. He's just a more flawed fighter. Well, I th- and the kind yeah. of pressure that Max Holloway puts on that. I, know, but I think Yair's different. got
0: the heart. I don't know if he's gonna. He's gonna have to get be folded. I don't know if he's gonna quit. I, I, think... I I'd say quit, but I think a lot. Of, I will. I mean, quit could be a TKO. He could just you know, yeah. succumb. But well,
1: he's he's a kick oriented fighter, and I just see those guys. Having a lot of trouble against Max Holloway. Yeah, he could try to blast leg kicks, but I I think Max Holloway is keen to that
0: vulnerability now. Is Max going to be just like a good amount taller and longer than Yair? Because I feel like Yair's going like to be a little taller. Yeah, he's in like yeah. five nine.
1: Yeah, I think that's going to be one of the things that surprises people. Is just like, oh, Max Holloway is bigger than this dude. Yeah,
0: like I think Max is kind of bully, kind of bully him around. So. Uh, and Ma- But
1: Max's foot speed, his athleticism, mm. I think it's just going to give Yair Rodriguez fits as he tries to dictate uh, a distance-striking environment. Mm. But distance-striking for Max Holloway and Yair Rodriguez are two different things. Max Holloway doesn't have the same kind of kicking dependency, but I could see him using some of those body kicks the same way he did against uh, Anthony Pettis. I think
0: he's going to chop that leg up like he did before. What do you mean? Like, you kick think Yair's going to chop the leg? Or? No, Max. I think Max is going to be kicking at... The, kicking uh. at there's like stop that ex- recklessness, explosiveness in any way. Mm. Cause he mm. kicks
1: hard. Yeah, but then you then you're enjoying the same type of atmosphere that uh, Yair Rodriguez likes to breathe in, which well, is a distance yeah. strike. Well, I'm,
0: there's one every now and again. I'm just saying, Max is a big boy. Use it, you know. It's the tool. Yeah, well,
1: <laughs> Max Holloway, if there's one thing that he does, he just ruins the statistical profile of some of these guys. And that, <laughs> as much as I. I, I giving him shit, it speaks to Alexander Volkanovsky, who has managed to maintain a very strong statistical profile after fighting Max Holloway two fucking times. Right. Because uh, Brian Ortega and Calvin Cater are never going to recover statistically <laughs> from what he did. Yeah. This was never, ever, ever going to happen. Uh, yeah. Now, Khabib Nurmagomedov has... he, he he's, he's, he's an I always like his insights. I like to see what he has to say because he has a really rational way that he views these things. He's just in the fight game. He's not mm. personally invested like that. Uh, and I, I believe that he's just a good evaluator of what variables matter. Now, he sees Dustin Poirier becoming lightweight champ by the end of 2021. Mm. Do you agree with that sentiment?
0: <sighs> yes.
1: So you believe he beats Conor McGregor, and then you believe he beats Charles Oliveira in the ensuing bout.
0: Yes. I've, uh, Conor McGregor is almost a non-factor <laughs> at this point.
1: You're so talk- you, so you don't, you're not putting any stock in those shadowy uh, shadowy workout pictures?
0: Well, it's just, you know, like Conor, uh, he can be a prodigious talent, sure. But Dustin has put in so much work at this point. And Connor is already coming in at a deficit, unless he was like training twice as hard as Dustin is at this point. Like, Dustin's a dog. I yeah, don't think you could like, work you, him like that. Like, you got it. Like, the deficit he's trying to work work through is just crazy. Maybe, mm-hmm. uh, maybe. Uh, but at this point, Connor is more of a like a fringe top ten lightweight, uh-huh. and I Dustin is you know a top three or the champion lightweight.
1: Yeah, well, it comes down to that age-adjusted experience. Connor and Dustin being the same age, that's not something I was looking at a whole lot when their second fight ran around. I was looking at the, the knockdown differential, the deficit that I thought Dustin experienced in terms of power. And there might may still be a deficit there, but as time has passed, and I know it hasn't been that long, but in that time, I've started devaluing knockdown rate a little bit. I, I do value it, but just in terms of it being the determining factor of a given fight unless you're going up to like heavyweight or some shit like that, where it's not just knockdowns, but those knockdowns result in knockouts. Mm-hmm. It's not something I, I value quite as highly, especially when you take in the age adjusted experience and the durability over that course, that experience yeah. exhibited by Dustin Poirier. Yeah. Now the Charles Oliveira fight is very interesting because mm-hmm. these are two flagship, uh, represent representatives of age adjusted experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those guys, that's a really interesting fight for me, yeah. and I'm I'm not decided on that one. I mean, Dustin Poirier, I believe, has an advantage in the striking realm, but I am not a proponent of his defensive wrestling. I think that his his, his grappling is largely overrated from a defensive standpoint. Yes,
0: this fight is definitely more interesting than I expected it to be. After Oliver's performance against Chandler, one of the one of the aspects of lightweight that we often talk about is the doggedness of it mm-hmm. and how a lot of these dudes oftentimes it comes down to who can really like because it's it's crazy how skilled this division is but a lot of the times they, these dudes are ending up in these ridiculous dogfights with each other against the over. cage like between justin gaethje eddie alvarez dustin all them, they're just dan beating hooker. dan hooker they're beating the shit out of each other against the cage
1: and, and that's what's nutty to me about yeah. this division is dustin poirier can be you can herald his resume all that he's accomplished Recognize that he's good, even elite. And at the same time, be like, damn, this guy had a five-round war with Dan Hooker, who is decidedly not elite. Kind of more in that journeyman territory, sub-70% winning percentage. That's kind of how this division goes, and it's also why uh, fighters like uh, Makachev, Oliveira, even Dariush, these dudes that are implementing takedowns and exploring more facets of the sport, it's why... I like the direction it's heading in that respect. Uh, and saying Dustin Poirier will be champion by 2021, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. It's probably a good chance. Uh, so, but it's it's far from a given because I do think the division's taking on a little bit of a different trajectory now with the type of skill set that's filling the void. The market is demanding some grappling, and oh, oh. I'm not sure that the guys that have traditionally excelled, excelled are going to have the requisite tools to deal with the adjustment of the market, hmm. of the talent
0: market. See, I can see that, but there's also an interesting point about how lightweight has kind of. So when we look back at like RDA when he had the belt, there was already this type of like grinder esque heavy against the cage. he yeah, like was just champion yeah, it, with
1: that type of skill set yeah. in it, but it was in a division where almost nobody else had that type yeah. of skill set.
0: So, it, it, but now it's like with that, have that I guess meta for lack of a better term, having shown itself, I'm curious to see if this type of fighter is able to still rise to the top with so many people having finally had that target to come after because when we look at Lightweight for the longest time, there wasn't someone like that there, so no one was really training for it. but mm-hmm. once Khabib got up there, everyone really started to recognize, okay, we gotta implement some of these parts into our game, and I'm very curious to see if These dudes who want to implement that type of game can handle the type of furnace that they're going to get into when the takedowns don't come that easy and they're really going to have to start fighting for it. Because Power to Makachev, I'm sure he's great, but he's not Khabib. He ain't Khabib. And
1: it kind of reminds me of the GSP to Rory McDonald thing. Yeah. Rory McDonald's a damn fine fighter, but he ain't GSP. GSP.
0: So that's, and that's why it's very, it's really hard for me to take those like, Khabib did this, so if these guys are going to do it like this, they're going to get there. It takes, like, Khabib kind of was a perfect storm of circumstance. And an outlier. it's an outlier. It's an outlier, exactly. And I don't... I'm
1: just talking about guys that are going to switch the mode mm. uh, of engagement. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, Dustin, Dustin Poirier was actually one of the guys who did that more than other guys. Yeah. And I think that he's going to actually flip on the spectrum and be somebody who does it less. Mm. Uh, one of the guys who shoots for less takedowns per round and, and implements these other phases less. To me, he's going to be one of the more one dimensional guys as in somebody that just wants to kind of box with you more or less he throws some kicks mm-hmm. he does his thing uh, I'm not taking anything away from Dustin Poirier I just see a more robust and versatile skill profile becoming mm-hmm. more in vogue in the division mm-hmm. and Michael Chandler he's a wrestle boxer but he's somebody who's more than willing to get, get, uh, go for the takedowns you've got Charles Oliveira who's just as happy to tangle with you in the grappling facet mm-hmm. is willing to use that that wrestling base you've got RDA coming back down. Who who against Paul Felder relied heavily on his grappling. Makachev, Gillespie, uh, Dariush, A lot of dudes uh, that are implementing that skill set more and more. And you're simultaneously, it's you're seeing guys like uh, uh, like Tony Ferguson. Yes, he's older, but you're see, you're going to see guys that are ki- that kind of got away mm-hmm. with relying on these dog fights being sapped into more strategic warfares, where mm-hmm. they have to rely on weaker aspects of their
0: game. So, so one of the things that I'm that might start to come to light of this is some of the more skill, like the skill oriented and less, uh, you know, dogged lightweights as they try to come up, and we'll see how that goes. Um, I uh I, I, it's gonna be interesting. I don't know. Poirier versus Oliveira has a lot more, a lot more wrinkles to it than it than it had two or three months ago. Mm-hmm. So. I'm excited. Certainly, certainly.
1: So, Khabib the Eagle, overlord of the lightweight division, still casting a hefty shadow. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, John Jones has gone in a new direction with his advisory council. Uh, He has retained Richard Schaefer, who was the former CEO of Golden Boy, left in 2014, and has brokered major, major uh, boxing pay-per-views that include names such as Oscar de la Hoya... Floyd Mayweather and Canelo Alvarez. Uh, He's familiar with Dana White. He's got a long history of success and he knows the pay per view industry extremely well, as well as anybody Mm. from what I can gather. Um, I think that this is a smart move for John Jones. I I also think that it is the necessary bridge between Dana and John Jones. It's Mm. kind of somebody that's going to establish what is valuable and Mm. what both sides to be trying to obtain through their negotiation. Because mm. it seems like they're so far away right now. John kind of wants uh, that guaranteed bread yeah, that, in an unprecedented way. Mm-hmm. And uh, D- Dana's kind of like, you got to sell for the bread. And mm-hmm. I believe that there's some happy medium there that can be negotiated on the precedent set by some of the other major boxing matches that have been brokered by Richard Schaefer. Have you done any research on this, and what do you think of John's uh, bringing somebody from the boxing world into his negotiations with the UFC?
0: Well, I mean, cloud is always a good thing when it comes to coming to the negotiating table. Uh, John Jones, John Jones is, I mean, he's the only thing you can ever say is he's been his own worst enemy when it comes to having a bargaining chips, and... I believe that this is definitely his best move. I th- I did not like him between all of the the BS with how his was it uh, Malik Kawa was handling the Francis Ngannou fight having fighters who are also in his management also competing for the same fight. It's weird trying to like price your own employee out or your own client out. I don't like that. And I think that John Jones is someone who at this level, needs someone who has experience negotiating a style and size of the fight that he believes he should be participating in.
1: Agreed. Uh, and one more note on that is MMA management is kind of incestuous. Like, yeah. There's only a couple of real names in the industry. And it seems like a lot of fighters gravitate towards those. But I would not be surprised if we see more trying to get representation from guys that have succeeded in other sports. Mm. Uh, because at the end of the day, you want somebody who's used to operating in the big leagues. Yeah. And yep, that's that's what Richard Schaefer is capable of, but you may see other sporting agencies like, um, that represent more athletes in other sports mm-hmm. starting to dabble in mixed martial arts, especially uh, when there's guys like John Jones with real earning potential. Maybe yeah. not the these run-of-the-mill guys, journeyman dudes, guys 8 through 20 in their division, mm-hmm. uh, but these guys at the top who are cutting real checks, it's worth these agents' time to be brokering yeah. these fight deals, especially yeah. because their athletes may be signing a contract once every four or five years. But these fighters, um, they may be signing three fight contracts or just negotiating for one specific fight.
0: Yeah. And, you know, it's just... It's going to open up some competition. It's just going to make it better and better for the fighters. More representation is always good.
1: Speaking of the pay-per-view scene, we have a... truly earth-shattering announcement. Well rumor, I suppose. Rumor mill. Bubbling from beneath the surface of the combat it's sports the depths world.
0: depths of the darkest timeline.
1: And from that primordial ooze emerges the possibility of a Jake Paul and Tyron Woodley fight. Uh, Tyron Woodley, the former UFC welterweight champion, a friend of Ben Askren, who was the previous knockout victim, victim of Jake Paul. Well, here, uh, I'll, I'll hand the baton to you, Jeffrey. You said that Tyron Woodley's going to get knocked out in the intro. Elaborate.
0: My man. Tyron. Why? Why? We understand, your friend. I know. I get it, Brett. But even still.
1: you going to make some paper.
0: Then ask her only cleared 500 racks on that guaranteed bit. Woodley has seen checks like that before. I don't know if... But he ain't gonna see any checks like that again.
1: Uh, let's be Let's be uh, real. His earning potential as a fighter is no longer there outside of some kind of freak show type of event. Either he's gonna get in there with a wild animal or he's gonna get in there with a YouTuber.
0: I just... Uh you know what? Get the bag. I do not believe that Woodley is gonna be he's gonna be in shape. He's big he's bigger than Askren is and
1: he, uh I mean Askren is taller.
0: Yeah, but Askren's pudgy. Tyron is a a thoroughbred athlete.
1: Yeah, Ty, Tyron's a different kind of uh a different type of athlete. Mm. Askren is to put it best enigmatic in his athleticism. <sighs>
0: He's got good positional control.
1: And he knows how to athletically leverage that, but he's not explosive.
0: Yes. So that, this will be, you know what, fuck it. Power to Woodley. This will be more way more fun than Askern. the Askren fight is because Woodley knows how to bite down on his mouthpiece and throw, and he... He can still crack. He can, he can still can crack. Hard. And I think he'll, he'll definitely hit harder than Jake Paul. I don't give a fuck how big Jake Paul is. He's not going to hit as hard as Tom Woodley's going to be. I mean... Tyron Woodley is uh, is just beast.
1: More than anything, it's that somebody's going to actually have a threat. Yeah. The threat of meaningful counterfire against Jake Paul. And for that yeah. reason alone, it's a little more intriguing. Yes. Now, Ben Askren, I think that he was he's the kind of guy that could sell that fight against Jake <laughs> Paul. He did a good job with that. <laughs> really. Uh Tyron Woodley, he's going to have to make he,
0: another rap song.
1: He's going to need to find a way to draw some eyeballs cuz for for all that Tyron Woodley has accomplished and everything, He's never been a magnetic personality.
0: No, but he can um, he can play some highlights, and he's knocked people out. And he's got a name.
1: Yeah, and let's be real: when Jake Paul starts like putting him on blast for different shit, like yeah. he's going to get eyeballs on him, mm. and there's going to be people that are wanting to like him simply because they want to see Jake Paul get flatlined.
0: And I'm, and I can imagine that because Woodley made a rap song. He has probably made friends with people that are more popular than him in the uh, social media area. So I'd imagine he'll be able to leverage that in some sense. And he may, we may see some funny interactions with Woodley and some interesting folks.
1: Who wants to support, interact with, attach, attach their brand to Tyron Woodley because of his rap career? Well, I'm talking about... Who's like, wow, I'll beat your ass. I need that in his social circle. I'm saying. Edward scissor hands, are you kidding me? This guy
0: right here. <laughs> oh. Wow, Justin Bieber needs to be his friend. Bieber was at the triller. <laughs> he was, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. So that's what I'm saying. Triller is the type of event where the weird you can pull out some interesting personalities. Woodley should just maybe get I don't know, Wiz Khalifa or something or Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg. Loves talking shit. Well, Snoop Dogg so, gonna be there. That's true. Um, I don't know who Tyron Woodley's friends are. He should have Ben Askren there, obviously. And um,
1: you know, part of me thinks that Ben Askren, he might do it as a favor. But part of me thinks that he cut his check and. In- like Dude, not that you know they need to a do? part of that that, Th- that circle. That
0: shit's gonna be on the WWE soon. I'm telling you, they're gonna do like Tyron Woodley and Ben Askren are just two retired fighters are gonna fight Logan and Jake. They're gonna tag tag do two. some tag. T- that bullshit is gonna sell so much, and it's just so stupid, but it's gonna happen. Triller's gonna start its own like WWE. Well, no, style. you
1: keep saying oh, well Triller. Jake Paul's no longer with Triller. This is Showtime.
0: Oh, Showtime. Yeah, Showtime is definitely, definitely finna to do some bullshit like that.
1: Well, Showtime's like, we're out of bot. Never mind. We're back. <sighs> we're back, guys. Find a box. <laughs> right. oh my God. Or was that HBO who got out That was it? HBO. Okay. Guy, yeah, yeah, okay, shit. Showtime Speaking is Speaking of yeah. HBO, I need to call y'all out right now. HBO has been on their HBO Max as I'm saying, HBO Maximum Bullshit.
0: Max Fraud?
1: <gasps> They're the Max Frauds, Jeff. How? Because their app is fraudulent. You go and you try to watch something, and then a screen will pop up, a transparent screen that will say, cannot play this title at this time, and the what it, the title says it can't be played will be playing behind the semi-transparent <laughs> screen that's telling you that your title can't be played. So then you need to go out, you need to restart the HBO app to get back into it. Not just that, Buddy. but when their major shows dropped, they just had the season finale of Mare of Easttown, which was filmed actually in the Chester County Delco area, detective special, popular show. Both that and the Friends Reunion crashed the whole platform.
0: Oh, that makes sense.
1: Well, the Friends Reunion, yes, but Mare of Easttown, like, sure, it's popular, but it wasn't yeah, like, uh, it wasn't shifting the paradigm. <sighs> but, the, but the whole service crashed for like a half an hour.
0: Sounds about right. Well somewhere, somewhere the
1: Netflix folks are sitting there smiling yeah. about this amateur bullshit and me like many other people uh, well I've got I got my connects into the HBO sphere so I, but for your subscribers y'all should be doing something because they're paying for this nonsense so HBO yeah. folks tuned in to the ScrapTube podcast you are called out I'm going to use every ounce of my essence every scrap fiber molecule in my
0: being to bring you down don't you stop paying for it?
1: I don't pay for it.
0: And, okay. Well, then that's useless.
1: Sure, 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 sure. But I mean, it's kind—you of, know how these things go. It's like I got this streaming service that you can use. You got that
0: streaming. I know. know so here's what I'm saying is. So it's kind right.
1: of like I'm paying. For, I'm not paying for. But well, see, I'm the saying thing is, a provide a better other, service.
0: See, the thing is that sucks. Is that a lot of these streaming apps are also garbage, which is one of the big issues. Besides Netflix. And Hulu does decent. Hulu's okay, but I when I was using Hulu for a while, I would have a lot of connection issues on Hulu. Like mm. I've had Did more, you have? Did you have? I'd uh, like the paid for. Hulu? No, I'd like the paid for. Oh, a nice I got genre. elite Hulu and that
1: John works perfect.
0: Well. I don't know what was going on, but that gentleman was drawing for a hot minute, so... Well, maybe they
1: upgraded their servers, and they sold their old servers to HBO. Uh, probably, but
0: here's an...
1: HBO got the dilapidated hood servers. They got just t- powered by gerbils running around <laughs> on wheels, I swear. <laughs> up gerbils tire, I'm sorry. Y'all can't watch your show
0: tonight. I don't know what to tell you. They're trash, but at the end of the day, you can only do so much. Especially at the end of the day, I want to like, watch my show. I want to watch my season finale. Go to a different fucking... Go to different sleeves. Oh, you can't, because you're addicted to horse of easton or whatever
1: horse mayor of east town. it was it's so funny actually because it's like all these english folks uh playing all the roles doing this like delco chester county dialect oh
0: god dude
1: but they they do a reasonably good job the guy who directed directed the show is from the area mm. and east town it's not a specific place but it's like an aggregate of towns in the area uh, you know it you can feel that there's authenticity in it and i enjoy that as even though it's not a great representation, a charming representation. I mean, it's a detective murder mystery, so yeah, it doesn't makes it reflect about, well a, on pretty much anybody. Right, that's about right. But uh, you could kind of, you could kind of feel the cultural reverberation of our little northeastern pocket over here. hmm Even though I'm not a Delco cat, like let's be real, I'm, I'm not a Delco guy.
0: I'm, not. I'm no. super skeptical.
1: Sorry, 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 Delco people. Not, not, not about like my feelings towards Delco, but because you have to live there.
0: Yeah. It's a correct statement. <laughs>
1: <laughs> 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 okay, so we're gonna preview some of June's headliners. Well, yeah, I understand there's an upcoming event. We might touch on it a little bit this this upcoming weekend's event. Oh, oh, I got shit. a couple bullet points on it, but we want to no talk cares. about cl- good fights. Like that's that that's why uh, we're here. We yeah. want to be entertained. We want y'all to be entertained. I didn't do it. Uh, and uh, I'm I'm starting a little like uh like short segment type of podcast Jesus, I'm going to talk this about car, betting it's odds. Terrible. Sorry. Uh, and in the <laughs> and in that podcast I'll review some of the uh, fights that are happening on Saturday. But that's because that's that's about bread. The fights themselves aren't particularly compelling. Yes, there's some guys here that may maybe be somebody someday or that have uh, that represent certain areas it's just not a good card in terms of average name recognition in terms of stylistic uh, matchups that we've been waiting on like it's it's just not what it is so first we're going to touch on UFC 263 and I don't really have a guide for how we're doing this discussion we're just going to mm. run through the premier fights on for the June's cards 263 has two title fights on it uh, the first of which is Davison Figueroa versus Brandon Moreno mm. from what I'm seeing Figueiredo is about a 2-1 to favorite for this fight mm-hmm. maybe a little more than that uh, but the first mm. fight was extremely close. It was it was, it was a draw, correct? Yes. yes, it was a draw because oh. Figgy lost a point. Figgy did lose a point, but the fight was still close throughout.
0: The fight was close indeed.
1: Do you think that this fight is going to be similarly close, or do you think one man sees an advantage in the first fight that they'll be able to exploit, or that there's something different that wasn't there in the first bout?
0: Um, I think that Figgy will be healthier in this, and we'll have a little bit more of an edge in the physicality department. Okay. One of the things that I noticed um he just he didn't really seem to have the strength in his like I mean he's obviously he's a violent dude. He throws with intent and all that, but he definitely seemed to not have the uh horsepower to really get as physical as he wanted to against with Moreno when he needed to. So I expect mm. him to be a little bit healthier to have a little bit more strength when they're in close and I don't expect uh Moreno to have as much success when he's getting uh able to push figure around a little bit when they're up against the cage and when they're striking up because I felt as though
1: you attributed some of the lack of perceived pop or drive or whatever it was to the illness mm. that, that Figueiredo yeah. supposedly suffered like the day after weigh-ins or apparently like, it was the day of yeah day he of weighed time. in and then he shot himself all night
0: sounds like a great time so
1: you're attri- you're putting a lot of okay. stock into that
0: well, just it was one. It's one of the things like they were, they seemed to be very, they were matched up very well skill wise, and there they there was a very it was a fun fight. But that was one of the things that seemed to be, a I don't know. It seemed to be standing out to me is that Moreno, when they got in close and when they were you know had to just collide with each other and really get physical with it, he seemed to be the stronger and healthier of the two. And I feel like that may not be the case this time. Hmm,
1: that's interesting. Uh, I mean, Figueredo is a freaky athlete, and every time he was taken down, you could still see him use—you know—there was there was some there was some like butterfly guard stuff, but a lot of raw explosion uh-huh. to get back to his feet. I didn't really see a different guy athletically. I, I actually, if anything, I was impressed by the cardio of Davison Figueredo in that first uh-huh. fight. Like, for somebody that cuts weight, has a notoriously hard weight cut, uh-huh. and is that shredded at the weight class—not yeah. a microfiber of. Uh, fucking fat on him yeah uh, I don't know I kind I at first I was like Figueredo, look at that win rate he's a monster he's a savage he kills people but Moreno you start tuning into things like his age adjusted experience I haven't done all the numbers yet he's 18 and five in his career at 27 years old mm. uh, Figueredo is 19 and one at 33 years old mm. they have comparable experience I don't know their pad rate who who's has like a stronger strength of schedule mm. uh, overall. Uh, and that's something that I'm really going to factor in because that may have been an underrated variable coming into this fight. One of the things I knew ahead of time was ahead of this fight was that it was going to be a dog fight. It was not going to be the same type of um rampages where Figueredo just fucking Mollywops ends the first person in the first round like he had been doing. Moreno checks out durability wise. Yeah. So my issue with Figueredo is when he can't get people out of there, he's still he's not the most technical guy. He relies a lot no. on athleticism and on my, on athleticism, and I'm wondering if Moreno can exploit those margins a little better this um, time around. And I'm thinking that he can.
0: Figgy actually just did an interview where he talked about that. Um, he said he wants to. He's been like paying attention to do to other champions like Kamaru, and he wants to. he's said he's been too reckless, and he's going to try and hold his guard higher and take his time more, mm. and not be so reckless in the cage.
1: Well, that's an interesting disposition and that's one of those things where it's like, I don't know if it's going to help or hurt him. Mm. Because one of the things about Figueredo is the violence with which he fights mm. is part of what makes him effective, in my opinion. You he
0: said he's not going to chase the knockout too hard, and he wants to let it come more.
1: Okay, okay. Well, he might just end up eating uh, volume combinations and, and oh, waiting, right. on those, waiting on those counter opportunities. Mm. What I do know is he hit Moreno with some hard shots, and I don't know that he hit Moreno with the harder shots. He got kicked in the head. Davison Fingredo is a freaky athlete, but Moreno is scrappy as hell. Mm. And I think that people underrate him as an athlete. I think people also underrate his amount of experience and the quality of that experience. Mm. I think that this is a more even fight than the odds are letting on, just as the first one was. And I'm excited to see the adjustments that Moreno made as the younger athlete with comparable experience. I see greater plasticity Mm. and more growth potential there.
0: So, officially...
1: Well, I can't give an official prediction yet because I haven't reviewed the numbers. But right now, initially, my first my first predict my, at first I thought it was Figueredo. Okay. and as I'm looking more into it, I'm giving Moreno more of a chance.
0: Mm, 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 mm.
1: And now it's the flip side here with Adesanya versus Vittori, Okay, <sighs> uh, and I'll I'll, I'll f- expand upon that. When I first heard this fight was announced, it was fresh off of or not? It's kind of fresh off of. Adesanya losing to Jan Blachowicz mm-hmm. and getting unquestionably out-grappled. See, see, see. Adesanya looked like he had no defensive grappling. His hips yes. were flat on the ground, threw up no submissions, created no scrambles. And then Vittori's coming in, the last guy to plant him on his ass and take him down. So I was like, Vittori, uh, after that Holland fight, it seems like he's figuring out the the balance between his striking and his grappling. And he seems to be a versatile <laughs> fighter and a durable fighter. Mm. I kind of like him against Adesanya here.
0: Oh, yeah i
1: but my skepticism has increased as time has gone on I look at Adesanya not just his MMA record but I look at the amount of experience he's accumulated kickboxing and the fact that I believe that Jan Blahovic fight mm-hmm. a guy bigger than him who used that grappling advantage mm-hmm. could have been the best thing for him ahead of this fight this is almost an opportunity for Israel Adesanya to <sighs> show uh, to show that he's not to be trifled with in the same way at 185 pounds and now I'm leaning towards him
0: my- I I just I don't, I just don't understand. Marvin Vittori is not really too much different of a fighter than he was when they first fought, in my opinion. And he
1: lost a split decision. This is gonna so, be a five rounder.
0: So now I wa having I just having I don't know how the hell their first fight was split decision. By the way. I just got to put that out there because Vittori did not have much success with his grappling until the last round No, I I had two to one. It's real. I don't understand that. So we'll just, we'll chalk that one up. But here's what I say. Here's what I will say from watching that fight that makes me really skeptical because Vittori has not fought someone who's going to be doing these same things. First is the feints. The feints were fucking with Vittori really fucking hard the entire fight. Mm-hmm. And what the faints do is the fight wears on, you get tired. And it gets even harder because you're, ten, you're tensing, tensing, you're tense, tensing, ten, tensing. And Vittori he well, he's going to try and be more I guess angry in this first than the first fight. <laughs> more angry. That's what he does. Yeah. He turns into but, an ogre and it helps. But at the same time, if he's also getting popped and you know, is he throwing more faints, I just don't see how Marvin Vittori has evolved as a fighter that makes me see his... The, like, I just don't... The things, like, between the feints, between Izzy able to stuff a good amount of his takedowns, especially earlier in the fight, and when you can't bank points in earlier in, the, in the, when you're doing that takedown stuff, I just... I don't see him taking three rounds from Israel Adesanya in a five-round fight, and I don't see him finishing the fight. It's just, uh, I feel as though Izzy's going to be bigger then when they first bought, he's gonna be having gone up to two hundred five. He didn't. He says he didn't do, have to do anything, but I think he's gonna be a little bit larger, at least stronger. I f- and Marvin Vittori had a lot of success against Kevin Holland, yeah, but that's not Israel Adesanya. Jack Hermanson, yeah, not Israel yeah, Adesanya. Mind you, that
1: fight against Holland was just a couple of weeks after he lost to Derek Brunson and yeah, got yeah. taken down a bunch of times and punched a bunch of times. Yeah,
0: and it's just like, I understand that. Because Israel just lost to Jan and I'm the first person to say he just got taken down you know talk a few 12 time takedowns mm-hmm. but I just Marvin Vittori is not the type, is not the dude who's who has evolved to the point where he's going to be usurping Israel from the throne maybe if he had fought someone more dynamic recently and he has showed that he can handle a five round fight in the pocket with someone throwing faints and making him actually think about shit mm-hmm. but I don't give a fuck if he beats grapplers in Kevin Holland
1: yeah And I I hear what you're saying about evolution. I haven't seen uh, in the film some tremendous leaps, technically, by Marvin Vittori. I also don't know if that's the most important thing. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's just being in there with somebody and realizing what worked, what didn't. Mm -hmm. In that third round, he kicked up the urgency, and I think that's why he found success with his takedowns. He was letting the fight come to him more, and well, the fight was coming to him, he was getting getting, uh, outworked, he was uh, getting out Mm-hmm. In, until he pushed the initiative. And that's kind of the wrestling way, though, is it's like running through that brick wall, breaking the yeah. threshold, and establishing dominance. I'm, I'm just explaining the other yeah. side of the coin here. Uh. I also see him at, he's a Southpaw. Mm-hmm. So right there, you got some wonkiness. And he's not the most, like, orthodox in the way he moves necessarily. Like, And I don't mean that in the sense of being a orthodox with a Southpaw fighter, but just in terms of like his coordination and the way he bounces around his rhythm as a fighter is a little bit offbeat. And I think that causes problems for his opponents as well. And he's also very durable. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- that That's shined in a number of his fights. And these variables all together, the capacity to operate as an offensive grappler, uh, and a pretty good one, the ability to absorb punishment, mm-hmm. uh, and his, his status as a southpaw, and a decent counter-punching southpaw. All of these things, like, they give you a weird combination of variables to think about. Mm-hmm. And it's not the easiest puzzle to solve, and that's why he wins these fights. Yep. He, he's a good fighter. I just think at the end of the day, Adesanya is is still special. He's going to have the the gas tank that's going to prevail later in these rounds, especially without the additional bloat that he had at 205 pounds. And I think that the grappling is going to actually expend more on the ha- on behalf of Vittori trying to cover this ground than it is for Adesanya. Yes. And that's why I see him stacking up and, and performing well late mm. in the fight.
0: Yeah, I don't... I just... One of the biggest things about their first fight is Vittoria has had all the difficulty in the world covering the distance. And he wasn't really able to make any, any type of headway until later in the fight. And I just, I'm skeptical. Israel has now been in there with someone who's bigger, stronger, is putting in to just, uh, and probably is better at doing the exact same thing that Vitoria is going to attempt to do. And I just, Israel isn't the type of talent to let that happen, I think. Over and over, and I don't, I just don't think it's so, it's going to be that simple for Mr. Marvin.
1: Yeah, I, I, I that's so. what I said. I, yeah, I agree with that. So we're and in there. Jan Blahoe, like, people just they aren't going to give him them. credit for how cerebral he approached that fight. That's what I swear he stood with him for three rounds in kickbox and f- figured out the points of leverage during which he could shoot for takedowns. And I don't know that Marvin Vittori has that, he doesn't have the poise. camp
0: or the the gameplay. I, mean, I, I think his camp is fine. I think he's got no. like
1: out there with Sean Strickland so he's getting good work in getting good rounds but Israel so Adesanya is, has, has a better camp he has more experience in the combat sports sphere and and he got pull his pen. and if Vitor can do if Vittori can do one thing it's to try to impose that will as a grappler early not gonna work
0: so anyway good good luck Vittori I'm sure someone will be happy sure. not you
1: <laughs> <laughs> UFC Fight Night: uh, Chan Sung Jung versus Dan Ige. This <sighs> fight is designed to be a heartbreaker. Jeffrey, what are yeah. your early indications?
0: Um, I'm, I'm, I think Ige might just melt, zombie. Sadly, yeah, like sometime in like the earlier rounds. I mean, if Korean zombie could last through the fight, he is, you know, the Korean zombie. But as he's gone on, he's taking a lot of damage. He's getting a little bit older, and Ige is just. Picking up the steam, and I just, uh, I've got a bad feeling he's gonna just bet.
1: What I'm gonna say is, it's really hard to bet on Korean Zombie just because he's so volatile. Mm. Like, he's there to be knocked out, he's there to lose fights. That's what we've seen. He has like a 55% UFC win rate. Uh, He just got rocked by Brian Ortega. We've seen him knocked unconscious by George Roop and. Yair. Uh, Yair Rodriguez, um, his shoulder got dislocated by Jose Aldo. There's some fundamental durability concerns with Korean Zombie, and he's also somebody that submits himself yeah. to the most. Like he's he's tough as nails. Don't get me wrong. It's not it's not like he wilts because of pain. Yeah, it's, it's just it's just that he breaks. Yeah. Uh, because of because of the rigors of cage fighting. Dan Ige is is extremely durable. And he's going to be able to operate in that realm of uh, boxing and counter-boxing that Korean Zombie wants to fight. It's going to be very dangerous for both of them. But you, mm-hmm. in my opinion, I gotta side with the the win rate and yeah. the proven durability okay. of Dan Ige. That's what it is. That's what it is. I mean, Korean Zombie. Like I don't even want to see Dan Ige get melted, though. I think he's yeah. a he's a, he's like a, he's a likable fighter he too. A,
0: like, but I, just, but I just I don't I just don't see. I don't see Korean Zombie. I feel like as though they're both so they're both durable, and I believe that they're going to be pushing it pretty hard in the first early points. They're of They're both this fight. sneaky good grapplers too. So I'm yeah. hoping
1: this is what ends up like the Dustin Poirier fight for mm. a Korean Zombie, where it's happening all over the place. They're scrambling, mm. they're throwing. It's that that's the kind of kind of fight I'm hoping for. It's a fun fight, fight, but I just don't,
0: man, I mean, I, I want to see somebody feeling. get slept, but I, I don't want to see somebody yeah. get slept. I have a bad I have a bad feeling we're going to see a Korean Zombie get slept.
1: There you have it, and like not not a lot of nuance to run through that. I mean, two events out, like I haven't even started to look at the numbers. I'm just citing the ones I have yeah. off of memory. And that, and Danny Gay is coming off of some serious momentum right now. Mm. But Korean Zombie's an animal in a corner. He, yeah, he's sure. back into a dangerous place, and we've seen. I mean, people thought like Moicano was going to beat him. Moicano got fucking killed. People thought Hominik was going to was going to show out against him, after performing you know admirably against Jose Aldo, and Hominik yeah. got ended early. So. Korean Zombie is one of these guys where he's almost hard to pick which fights he's going to win which he's going to (laughs) lose because he's literally a coin flip in the UFC. Yeah. Uh, But also it's like right when you think you're like you figured out when he's going to lose he surprises you with how dynamic he can be how offensively potent. Mm, No mistakes can be made. No. And we did see Dan Ige hurt against Calvin Cater and hurt against uh, Edson Barbosa. Mm. More so those were to the body than the head and Korean Zombie is a notorious headhunter. Yes. And
0: he's not Edson
1: Barboza, that's for no, sure. No. no, 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 that would have been an interesting fight.
0: I think Edson would f- flatline him.
1: You say that, but then Korean Zombie was able to withstand a lot of pain in that Yair Rodriguez fight, to and went on to apply pressure, uh, uh, use his hands, uh, rack up, you know. I don't I think Barbos any of these bulls is, hitting like
0: Barbosa is at 145. Barbosa's a dangerous man. At 145. He was already the literal most cut dude alive at 155. And somehow he sucked 10 pounds off of this frame to hit. I, I don't... Who knows? I'm. He may have made a deal and just... Yeah, talk about a man with rough luck, too. Because yeah. he dropped that
1: fight to uh, Dan Ige. He dropped another fight at... Uh, at featherweight that he should have won Mm. and it's just like give him a fucking break man this dude's a savage he puts on entertaining fights he's in the latter stage of his career fucking give him the W yeah right (laughs) Uh, but he he earned that W against Shane Burgos you see that knockout
0: dude what the delayed where he just like folded his body just went power
1: down (laughs) that's
0: what happens man you hit like that I'm fucking be killing dudes shit
1: talking about some hitters now we got Cyril Gom versus Alexander Svolkov. I mean, Volkov, but mm. Svolkov.
0: Svolkov.
1: To close out June as, a, as the last main event. This is one I've tossed around a little bit. Mm. It's really the um, experience of Svolkov versus the athleticism of Gain to mm. simplify it to its most fundamental components. Mm. Although Gain it does have some technical ability, mm. and Svolkov has more than just experience. Yes. What do you like, dislike, and think about this one?
0: So Swolkov has a interesting is an interesting pod, pod, uh, opponent for Ciragon. I believe that the exercise will help him against the cage. Before Swolkov, I do not believe he would have been able to handle being in you know agra- extended grappling exchanges with Gon just because of his size and athleticism. He would probably just ragdoll him because Alexander is kind of like skinny fat looking and you know not the crazy athlete that gone is and gone <sighs> has a good he's good kicks he's able to really mitigate that outside range well which makes me think that i'm not we're not going to see swolka be able to piece him up like he was against black beast from the outside and when they really get in i think we might see Cyril gone he'll have he'll have some good success the size of Swolkov is gonna help, but I think he's just gonna get tired as the fight gets on. And I think that we're gonna see Gon like, kinda of push on to okay. the fight where it's on. And probably I think either a decision, possibly a late like submission, but I think I think decision is the
1: Yeah. Well, I understand side. that Gon has a couple submissions on his resume, but I also think that Alexander Swolkov, and yes, I'm gonna say Swolkov every time. It's his name now.
0: Yeah, he's Swolkov.
1: But I think that he actually has the better grappling acumen. He's the brown belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And he was able to mitigate a lot of the damage that Curtis Blades tried to levy on him. Mm. We've seen Blades fuck some people up with his ground and pound. Yeah,
0: but Blades is secret soft.
1: Secret soft. But what I'm saying is he was not able to mount any real damage on the ground Mm. to Alexander Volkov. Volkov also showed very good cardio in that fight after being Mm. out grappled for the duration he was able to seize the advantage against a gassed Curtis Blades and put it mm. on him in that fifth round. I liked Cyril Gahn at first for this fight. I thought about his athleticism, and uh, it was hard for me to picture how Volkov closes the distance and, mm. and lands those shots on him. But then I'm like, this man's fucking 6'7". Yeah, he's huge. And they're fighting at the apex. So it's going to be a smaller octagon. Mm. Uh, he is not Jairzino Rosenstruck who's going no. to, like, Pivot around the perimeter. I think yeah. that Swolkov is the guy who moves forward here. Mm. And, you know, Cyril Ghan 8-0. Swolkov, like, 33-8 and or something oh. like that. <laughs> Swolkov ain't no run over. It's a really... And he also has that kickboxing background. So you can be like, oh, well, Ghan is more ex- experienced than, than just his MMA career. Well, so is, so is Swolkov. 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 I'm thinking that he hits gone with some good shit and gets a knockout. Uh, that That's mm. what I'm thinking because the way... It is possible. He, the way he's been hitting, I mean, he hurt Walt Harris to the body, but then he just bludgeoned Alistair Overeem. Uh, I, I think that he does a re- really effective job of catching off the ring, and I think now that he's bigger, that he's filled out his frame, mm. he's hitting hard. Mm. His knockdown rate of like 0. .4 or whatever it is right now does not do justice to just how punishing... He he
0: he hits. We gonna see. We and, gonna see.
1: Gon's like a single shot striker. Mm. He relies a lot on that footwork. I th- I think that that's gonna be tough at the apex with his size, mm. with their respective size and how much spe- space they eat up. Mm. They're gonna have to meet at some point. And Gon Gon has not finished anybody by knockout. No, in he in not in the UFC yet. Uh, Swolkov he got knocked out by Black Beast, but otherwise he's been durable.
0: Yeah, and, and then Black Beast knocks at everybody, so.
1: Uh, so this is where this is where kind of uh, the hype of Gon has to has to show itself in a really meaningful capacity. I thought mm-hmm. he was going to beat Rosenstruck. He did that, but Rosenstruck, I just, I just don't think that much of him to be honest. Mm. And I think Alexander Volkov is a better all around fighter.
0: Mm. Mm. I can feel it. I can feel it.
1: So you think Gone by late finish or decision? Mm. I got Swolkov. I think he's going to knock him out. Oh. The one thing that I would that gives me pause is I'd like to see Swarkarm mix in a couple more takedowns. The Ooh. guy only averages point two per round, but he has a grappling advantage over a lot of guys and he doesn't really use that size <sighs> or ability on the ground or in clinch position so much. He's mostly a distance striker, and I think that that's the one thing that can maybe elevate his game.
0: Well, I think that God's going to have be a little bit more successful than you expect in the grappling exchanges. So he's
1: more ti- well, grappling, ex- okay.
0: Because of, uh, I think, his natural athleticism combined with his seeming ability to pick up on techniques. I think he might just be the more gifted fighter. the two. He may not have the experience edge yet, but that may not need to play out at this weight class like that.
1: And I would agree more if he was fucking knocking dudes out. True. If it was like, oh, he got like the Mike Tyson power or something <laughs> like he. Well, you see guys that are athletic like him, but then... Where they really drive at home is the fact that they hit you in with sense knockout sense. shots. True. And Gagne, he's he likes he doesn't just distance strike. He uh, like like he like telescope strikes. Like he fights <laughs> from far away. He mm. wants to leap in with kicks and he wants to touch you and mm. he wants to throw single shots and time long punches. Mm. And I think that there, there's a lot more. Uh, the technique of Swolkov is a lot tighter, mm. but he has to figure out a way to get into those segments of combat where he can. Use the tightness of his technique, and that's going to be hard to do with somebody who bounces around like a Cyril Gaon, hmm. who maybe a, a comparison for the way he moves is like Robert Whitaker.
0: Mm, I got you. It's uh, going to be an interesting fight.
1: Which I'm not. I'm just saying, guys that bounce light on their feet and keep their backs off the cage very well. That, that's yeah. what I mean with that parallel. I got you. Now, now the card this this upcoming weekend is headlined by the aforementioned Rosen against Augusto Sakai Sakai. Both these guys are kind of staples of the heavyweight division. Neither is typically thought of as a contender. Nope. And I'm just curious as to why this is the main event of a fight card. Um, like you've got low volume strike who like waits around too much, and they're both also big heavyweights. And they're both who,
0: coming off losses.
1: Who aren't? Yeah, they're both coming off losses, and they're both big heavyweights that aren't going to be able to like push a gangbuster pace for five rounds. Why do they keep giving us these heavyweight main events where they where? They're, there's a good chance they're going to put us to sleep?
0: To be honest, I don't know. There is... I mean, I think I talked about this last time. The heavyweight division is just kind of in shambles.
1: But did they not learn from Rosenstruck's last main event against Cyril Gallen?
0: Maybe they believe that because they both... I mean Sakai just got knocked out, so maybe he got what beat up by Overeem. Yeah, so maybe they think Rosenstruck. Because I mean, people believe Rosenstruck. I mean, he's got good hands. He got he kicked Francis Ngannou.
1: That that that's that's the that's <laughs> the avenue that you're driving down with this one, Jeff. Is it? I mean, I, I I get that he has that devastating power that is so often associated with heavyweights. But strike he's a a one-dimensional plotting striker who oftentimes waits until it's too late to be aggressive. And then you've got Augusto Sakai, who he's fine.
0: He's just like, he's fine. He's fine. The UFC is trying to hit quotas right now, I believe, with their events because they're behind, and I think that's what we're seeing happen.
1: How are they behind for this year? They haven't... Because um, COVID haven't stopped every... events
0: for like two months or three months. And that was 2020. I know, but I know uh, the whole thing with Dana, I thought they had to have a contractor. they had to have like a set amount of fights yeah, for yeah, Dana I... to get some payout. For, mm. I think that like he gets a fat check if they get a certain amount of fights within like the period.
1: Okay, that must have something to do with the ESPN broadcasting deal.
0: That's the only way they're put... Like they're just... The, the fights are so watered Ooh.
1: down. <laughs> <sighs> Yeah, but it's yeah, cool. I mean, it, it, it's just tough. It's just tough when you have a free event. That's the first event after a after a extra week. Yeah. Um, you, you had a hiatus, and now you're gonna bring people back with a card of this caliber. It, it's just
0: it, it's gonna be a slow night.
1: It's just like I might as well take two weeks off because I'm not gonna. Yeah. Spend, I mean, it is what it is. Like maybe if I have bread on this, it'll incentivize me, but. I can watch all these fights later. Yeah. There's no fight on this card where it's like, I need to see this fight hmm. this night.
0: Um, Let's see. There is one fun fight. I think Tanner Bozer versus Ali Latifi is going to be fun. I don't
1: know. I, I don't know if Latifi... Well, has that fun of fights. Low volume guy who wants to take you down. That Bozer, isn't
0: Bozer the dude with the mullet? And Tanner Bozer who just lost to Andre Arlovsky. Yeah, so one of them is going to be, oh no, oh no, he's not who I think he is. Never mind, never mind, never mind. That is a mullet bull though.
1: I know some people are attracted to this Santiago Nibio fight. He's oh, competing against this UFC dude, newcomer fun. Michael Bieza.
0: That sucks. This dude went from like Ard to trash. Well, well, he, he didn't go to trash. He just got knocked out by that China Bull.
1: I mean, I'm not sure if you're familiar with his career arc, but it's one of the weirder and sadder ones of recent memory. He was out
0: for a hot minute.
1: He was out for two years. And what happened is he had some kind of infection, bacterial Mm -hmm. infection, and then he got another bacterial (sighs) infection. And these drones were just like fighting inside him, rocking out his whole body. And then he took the antibiotics and they thought he was good. And he got discharged from the hospital, went home. And then he was like, I can't put on any weight, I can't, my my workouts, my physical therapy, I'm not seeing any results from it. Uh, after like five weeks of intense physical therapy, two times a day. Damn. And they took him back into the hospital, and they're like, oh, you got the bacteria in your bones now. What the fuck? Yeah. Yeah, so he had the bone bacteria, <laughs> and that shit was eating him up. He said he got, like, extra skinny, like he looked like, you know, like, like some starving bull, like he had no muscles Uh, It totally got got depleted by this stuff. And it took him two years to get back into a position where he could compete again. (sighs) Comes back in, gets starched by a guy who's not known for starching people. And uh, Jin Jin Liang Li. In the last five five
0: seconds of the first round, too. the last 30 seconds. He got
1: knocked out bad. And it it seemed like he didn't have his bearings for that fight. Mm. He was extremely rusty. Didn't land anything of significance throughout the duration. And then the first time he tries to commit to anything, it's so telegraphed that he gets starched by a guy who doesn't starch people. Uh, I mean, I know they are 170 pounds. That can just happen. But Ponsonibio was relatively uh, durable. And he...
0: The bone bacteria rocked his shit out.
1: Well, not only that, but it was during the prime of his career. So now he's 34 years old.
0: Oh, no, it's over.
1: So it's like your days of prime competition are probably behind you and... Who knows what bone bacteria does to you? It doesn't sound like it helps your future <laughs> performance.
0: That is sad.
1: And now they're putting him against a, uh, a guy that uh, he's not the most experienced, but Michael Beza can—he can hurt fools. Uh, mm. And he's young. He's, he's a knockout artist, Fun. and I think that it's, gonna, it's a bad position for Ponzinibbio, who's made a career off of swanging and banging. And right now, positive is a slight underdog.
0: This is a rough, a rough game.
1: It's, it's. I'm just like, damn. The bone bacteria then getting knocked out twice. Like, what did you do in your past life?
0: Real shit, bro. I don't know. It's just sometimes it happens that way, and it's just. That's why you know it's this thing is like a lottery, man. Sometimes you're just unlucky like that, and it you know you could be. Surging like T.J. Grant or like Santiago. Well, that's what remembers. Remembers
1: remember, reminds me of a little bit is the T.J. Grant situation. It's like winning streak, intriguing competitor, knocks dudes the fuck out, and, and then it, all of a sudden, yeah, and then they have some outstanding or some crazy medical condition that that keeps him out. Now T.J. Grant never did return. I was actually just mm. looking into his stats the other day.
0: Yeah, he never did return.
1: Ponzinibbio has returned. And now he's fighting an unranked guy as an unranked guy. He had a seven-fight mm. winning streak going into that.
0: Beating ranked fighters.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Neil Magny is now surging in this division. Right. He knocked him out.
0: Knocked him out. Late in the fight, too, which is no easy task. He be had beat Mike Perry, Gunnar Nelson, and Dean Tlaib. He had a legitimate Court McGee, who's now who he knocked out in the first round, who's doing all right. That's or the was. only
1: time Court McGee has been knocked out in his UFC career. Yeah, so it's like... He was sucks, doing damage, man. He was
0: doing damage. And, and then the damage got done to him. Yeah, 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 yeah. And
1: it's a, that's an X factor. It's really hard to be like, how is this guy going to perform when he comes back from this and that? And something that I was thinking about, and it was a determining ba- factor, one of the determining ba- factors besides the loss by finish rate in the Garnbrandt versus Font fight. Garbrandt had a bad bout with COVID. Mm. He said that he was not able to train for many weeks. He had the worst of the symptoms. He was in a scary position. And I was like, well, that might just, like, fuck you up. Yeah. Like, maybe maybe you're not going to be as explosive, or maybe you're not going to be as willing to put the pedal to the metal. Mm.
0: Uh, We'll see that with Volkanovski, too. And I'm not sure... Possibly.
1: That's that's the thing now, and that's kind of shifting my thinking about the Ortega fight, because Volkanovski was down bad.
0: He talks about struggles in training.
1: Exactly. And and Garnbrandt had those same struggles... And he had a difficulty pulling the trigger and, and committing to his offense. He was just letting himself get jabbed in the face over and over, letting himself maybe bow verbiage. But he was passive for a lot of the fight and got outworked severely. Maybe that was because Rob Font Damn. had a perplexed. Maybe there was some reverberations Damn. from his bout with COVID. But Ponzanibio had the bone bacteria, and that sounds fucking bad.
0: These dudes getting rocked out here. Everybody getting COVID, getting bone bacteria. (laughs) Shit. You know, Zabit got the chest explosion or whatever. Like, it's bad. That's bad out here, man. It's rough. It's rough. Shit. Chest
1: explosion. (laughs) (laughs) That's true, man. He hasn't fought for over. (laughs) It's been a while. It's been a while. Is he even in the rankings anymore? I don't don't know. I don't know. Dudes
0: are fucked up right now. It sucks. It but sucks. But anyways, that's uh, in, how it be. in Jack's little fantasy
1: league thing that he's running, uh, I, I mean, I was just trying to pick fighters from the most recent events to s- select for that. And one of them I saw Santiago Ponzinibbio was fighting some dude who knocks people out. And I was like, <laughs> I'm taking the dude who knocks people out. <laughs> yeah, San- Ponzinibbio, I, I just think that whatever relationship we have with him as a fighter, whoever we thought he was, Ain't I don't think them. he's that him. that's
0: him anymore. I don't think so. Sad. Sad. Sad.
1: Well, okay, y'all. That concludes the MMA portion of this here podcast. We appreciate you tuning in. If you are no longer intending to tune in to this segment that precedes, or that, not precedes, what's the other one? That follows the MMA portion of this podcast, our Bullshit Whatever segment, known worldwide, cherished by all. Mm-hmm. Just remember to subscribe, rate, and review to this podcast. Uh, We're available wherever uh, podcasts are found, but especially on Apple. Hit us with those uh, subscriptions. Hit us with the five-star ratings and type in a little review for your homies. Yeah, Doug. It helps massively with exposure. We need that. They've been ticking up, but we need a lot more. And while you're at it, Smash the subscribe button to our YouTube mm. channel at Scraptitude Philly. Mm. Smash follow on Twitter at mm. Scraptitude. Smash follow on Instagram at Scraptitude. And you can follow me, Timothy E. Lewis, on Twitter at Timothy
0: E. Lewis. Mm. Find me on Twitter, OR215. That's Jeffrey, man of the people. And I'm coast to coast doing the most. Mm.
1: Now for a little bullshit and whatever.
0: Mm. Mm.
1: So, talking about the bullshits. COVID's over, Jeff.
0: Yes, this is what I've heard. That
1: shit's done.
0: It must be, because uh, there are a lot of people out uh, without a mask this weekend.
1: Well, we were in New Jersey, and New Jersey's changed the restrictions faster than at least Philadelphia has. Mm -hmm. You don't need a mask to go in anywhere. Any of the stores? Nope. Any of the restaurants? nope. Nope. Get up to the bathroom, mask off, wait for the bar, no mask in line. And speaking of the bars... They were outrageous. Crazy. For those of y'all that ain't in the Northeast, this entire weekend up until today was one rainstorm. It was wind, and it was rain, and it was gray. The whole time. The whole time. But as many are aware, Memorial Day is a time where a lot of people go to the beach, or they have their barbecues, and they do things of that nature. So tons of people for weeks, they probably even rented out shore houses and all that so that they could go (sighs) to the beach Uh, Well, they had nothing to fucking do besides drink.
0: Dude, there's literally, like, a house next to us of underage kids, I want to say. I think there were, I want to say almost 30 of them in, like, one crib. And you're just like, holy shit, how many people are out here right now? Like, what the fuck?
1: Well, here's what I'll tell you. (laughs) Uh, It was me, Isabella, and my friend Ryan. We went out, and uh, we went to uh, Wildwood. We were staying in Avalon, we went to Wildwood. For those who don't know, Wildwood is like the Ratchet Beach.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: So we, we decided to go out there yeah.
0: and... Perfect for Ryan. And
1: yeah, in doing so. Um, <laughs> well, the first place we were going to go to, we were like, fuck that, because the line was super long. And we decided to skip to the second place that we were going to go to. Smart move. And we got in line. And we waited in line. Mm. And we waited a lot longer. Amateur. And Ryan kept saying, well, no, we we tried the various stops. We tried, like, okay, can we pay to get in here accelerate the process? Like, whose pockets do we got to grease? We waited in this line for almost two hours, Jeff. I have never waited in a line anywhere that long in my life.
0: Not at Disney World. So, very similar thing was happening around, and I think I know why. I believe that they, a lot of these bars are severely understaffed. Mm. So, I did some sleuthing. At one of the bars. Because one of the biggest bars where we were had a line outside of it. And we, we went up to the front to just see. It was like, yo, man, what up? How long have you been waiting? And the dude was like, I've been here for over an hour. So we're like, huh, that's weird. So we decided to go. People look over the gate, see you know, what was going on. you notice there's almost no one really filling this bar out. There's mm. enough people where there's about one layer of folks on the bar itself. Yeah, But other than that, there's a bunch of staged areas, and there was only people really in one of them. There's about four different staged areas and stuff like that. And so we're like, huh. So we sneak around to the back side of the bar, grease some palms, get ourselves inside. And we I walk through, and I start noticing that some of their bars are just closed. There's just no one there. And I look, and I go up to this chick. I'm like, yo, the girl's working like those uh, standalone things where they just put beer in the cooler. You can just buy beers. It's like, yo, you, like, what's going on? Like, why you guys aren't letting people in? She's like, yeah, I don't know. He's like, I've never seen it like this, but there's not too many of us here working. So I was like, shit.
1: That's fucking like, drawing, though, because you know whoever owns that spot wants to make yeah. bread.
0: Well, that's great because it's like the bars that had people working, they were like the one was packed, great, like just sardine canned. just mm-hmm. When you're just like, holy yep. shit, like I've never seen this many people at a shore bar in my life. No. Like Man, what the fuck!
1: But the crazy thing is, it's like fifty degrees out, and raining with fifty degrees, with the wildest winds. winds yeah, like just mists blowing off it's, the ocean. And it's, into the your high, face. it's
0: super high tide. Yeah. It was the high, like the water was literally all up on everything. It was crazy.
1: Yeah. So my guy Ryan is just like, eh, so let us in by eleven fifteen is my estimation. Eleven fifteen comes and goes. Eleven thirty. Eleven thirty comes and goes. Twelve. We're like four people from away from the line. I was like, you said 12, round. We got to leave now. <laughs> <laughs> no, Tim. No.
0: <laughs> we oh, waited man. out.
1: It's probably another 10 minutes until we get in. Uh, but kind of like your spot, it wasn't as at capacity as I thought it was going to be when I got in there. I thought it was going to be fucking mobbed. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't the case. I think part of it is just trying to build a lure by having the line go around. Uh, but it was. I don't
0: think they needed that. that. There were so many people.
1: Man, it, it was it was it was fun once we got in there, but that wait was so drawn. But it was like that everywhere. Well, man. I only I
0: only really waited for probably like five minutes or so one part, but that was it was weird. One people were out early as shit. Yeah, we got out, out at ten. Great. We thought Dude, that we were gonna beat the crowd. So did we? People have been out there since like eight o'clock and shit. You're like, how are y'all supposed to be up on that? That's kind of why. Because they but, didn't
1: have anything to fucking do. That's no. why. Yeah, Nobody just, had anything to do, so they went out early to drink.
0: Yeah, I was like, Jesus Christ. But, I mean, I've been drinking all day, too. So, um, <laughs> But I was at the house drinking all day for free. For free? Yeah, yeah no, really.
1: <laughs> I, I got you. And people were wasted out dude. there, dude. Wasted. And, you know, there's a lot of people in like their early 20s, and they're just fucking shit-faced dude. out there. Somebody tried to fight Ryan at one point. Classics. Folks were trying to cut in line all the time, getting shouted out. Yeah. That was that was the thing that I think got us through it, collectively in
0: line. Dude, was... I watched a – I think I'm pretty sure I saw a janitor just give up. <laughs> just give up. Like, I went have... On life or his job? His job, I'm pretty sure. Like, I walked up to the bathroom, and I was just, like, one of these outside bathrooms, and it's just old-ass dude, and he's just got this key, and he's just locking the door. And I'm just looking – and, like, I'm like, hey, man, can I use this bathroom? He looks at him, he just opens it really fast, and it's just literally, the toilet has just overflown and just piss and stuff just all over the floor pouring out, and then he just closes it back again. He's like, the bathroom's closed. Oh my <laughs> and fucking God. I was just like, "Yeah, uh, He had well, enough of that yeah. shit. Yeah, I was like, yes, that, that bathroom's closed. <laughs> was, like, was there like toilet water seeping under yeah, the door? So when I had been in that bathroom earlier, they had filled the trash can with piss. this is New New Jersey wasted I was just in there just like holy
1: shit New Jersey is just filled with the debauchery
0: it was fucking hilarious and then um oh my god yo that fucking so I ended up going they had a porta potty there too so that and everyone knows what that's like so god help the ladies outside some of them some of them were smart and had they were bribing the guard to go out to go out through the thing and just be like, yo, here's five bucks. Let me just remember who I am. And they were like, going outside, just literally on the ground. I was like, that's probably, like, a better move, honestly, at this mm-hmm. point, because those Johns were gross.
1: Yeah, and actually, the pe- uh, what is that? Previous weekend or is that the previous weekend? I think so. I was in Pittsburgh. Mm. Uh, yeah, because that's when we no, that was two weekends prior, and that's why we didn't record. I was in Pittsburgh, and you were finding Yahweh in the mountains. See, see, see. And, uh, I was blown away then because it was well. First of all, I got let into a club that I thought I was banned for, uh, for life from. So that, that was cool. I guess they updated their ID system or whatever. I was not in there. Thrilled about that. Um, we arguably found new reasons to not be allowed in that club, but all good as far as as that's concerned. Um, and it's like the only club in Pittsburgh. So if y'all know the area, you, I don't know Pittsburgh. Y'all know it's, it's this club called uh, Cabo, mm. and it's like. Uh, I'll oh, tell them now now they're like, gonna it's like the it's, it's Pittsburgh dude it's a big town they call it a city but it's just a big town with a football team mm. uh, and it has its charm and all of that but it's like Maniunk with a skyscraper oh wow damn <laughs> <laughs> <is> so disrespectful <laughs> uh, Maniunk with a skyscraper but you go to Southside which actually it reminds me of a fuckload of Maniunk as well but if you if you go uh, out there it was just like the covid apocalypse. Like, nobody was wearing masks. And this is still in PA. It's not... But the people collectively decided, they were this dumb. shit's done.
0: Yeah, they were done. This shit's done. I mean, I don't know. I'm vaccinated. I didn't really care too much. Yeah, I got the two-tap. But... I don't know. I guess it could be drawn. But I, don't, I honestly don't care. I had a good time. It was fun. So as long as uh, the old people aren't doing anything dumb.
1: Well, I mean, if, if you're old and you haven't gotten your vaccine yet... You don't. Really, I think that's what people are collectively saying is it's like, y'all have now had your chance to get your immunity. I'm not putting my shit on pause any longer. Can't.
0: Nope. Cannot.
1: I'm pretty sure that's what... I know a lot of people have been migrating from uh, Cali to Texas. They probably just saw people was drinking out there, having fun. They were like, fuck Cali. Yeah,
0: right. I don't know. It's just... (laughs) It gets to the point where it's like, bro, even... I was talking to my grandma about it. She got her vaccination. She was like, yeah, I know. how." She's like, I go to the store at this time, this time. I know I'm going to compromise. She's like, you all guys go to live your life. I was like,
1: what? Yeah, yeah, 100%, man. But it's it's just surreal once you get into that environment. Oh, it was turnt the Cause, fuck up. Because like, every every once in a while, you'll just have like a panic, like, uh, and then realize, oh, yeah, nobody's supposed to fucking have a How many people did, did
0: you see anyone with a mask? I saw like three or four people.
1: When I was in Jersey, when we like went to... Like in, in the bars or anything. In the bars, no masks. But when we went to Stone Harbor the next day to get lunch, uh,
0: there was... I saw The maybe regular populace. One or, I saw
1: maybe one or two families that had masks on, and everybody else was mm-hmm. mask-free.
0: Some places, some of the tinier shops had ma- wanted masks. Like there were some like tiny... Even our ba- waiting, sta- like not, not even ba- waiting
1: staffs are wearing masks. Wow.
0: Hmm. Well, I saw some masks. I didn't see a lot, but...
1: Fuck a mask, dude. I do not want to wear that shit anymore. Dude,
0: I'm just waiting for them to say we don't have to wear them at the gym anymore because that shit sucks.
1: No, don't get don't get me stuck. I have not been to the boxing gym since they made me wear a mask.
0: Dude, it's just terrible. It's the worst thing in the world.
1: I'm, I'm just, so I'm excited. I'm still paying for that, John. I don't know, but I'm oh, excited. Man, James Schuler, need my bread. I got you, Pee Wee. Oh. Anyways, I think oh. that concludes our episode for today. COVID is over. This is the Scratitude
0: Stamp, official declaration, signed, sealed, delivered.
1: We appreciate you all tuning into this podcast. It's good to be back. Mm. Like I said, I'm going to do a little episode later this week, something Mm. like that, uh, Mm. in an effort to review some of the betting odds. And I'm going to try to keep it in like the 20 to 30 minute range. I don't want it to be too intense, uh, too in-depth, just some stuff that stands out to me. Mm. and the fights that I think have uh, optimal odds for the betting crowd. Mm. This is a field that I've been getting into, but I'm already one of the premier people in the entire world when it comes to analytics as applied to mixed martial arts. Mm. The shit that I'm dealing with, you go to the UFC website, that's not what I'm about. I'm doing different type of cutting edge stuff out here. We at Scraptitude are doing different kind of cutting edge stuff out here. Mm. And this is the mobilization of that process. Yes.
0: Expect more content now. The farm is going to be continuing. I'm excited. We're going to have uh, some fun videos coming out. A lot more stuff. Expect some good, fun segments out of this.
1: Oh, yo! Have you ever played Carcassonne? No. The board game. No. Okay. Have you ever played Sellers of Catan? No. No, you ain't played none of these. Okay. Well, these these are for folks with next level strategy. It's probably why I always win our winner Circles bets because I play these 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 mind games. Sure. But, no, anyways. We were playing it. we didn't have shit to do, so we were playing this dog carcass zone, which is like you draw these tiles and you have to build out your map and you have to like develop resources to get points and you're competing against other people and essentially you're trying to coordinate these various variables while also understanding how value is allocated. So it's like civilization on a board. Sure, right? one of those types of games where I guess like yeah. I've been playing forever but I'm assuming it like risk maybe, where you just mm-hmm. have to like yeah, strategically yeah, yeah. put your posts and see, develop see, your see, resources. See, see. I like those kinds of things. I think it's fun. Uh, but they got like six expansion packs uh, with all the new rules and shit like that. But I was cleaning up. <laughs> I was cleaning up at Clark Desert. Yeah, but who are you Ryan, playing? Yeah, Ryan. Yeah, well, well Isabella you, won one game. I won all the other games. I was the elite you farmer. Play,
0: you playing with fodder, kid.
1: Well, I, I'm an elite farmer, Jeff. You're playing with fodder. Ask around. You're playing with fodder.
0: You're playing with fodder. You're playing with
1: fodder. I am an agricultural savant. I, I'm sure. You, you caught up on the castles. I got all the agriculture Look, on lockdown. I'm going to tell you this
0: right now. You're probably garbage at the game. I'm nice.
1: No, because Ryan's dad, who's, who's uh, mm-hmm. he's, you know, he's, he's pretty good at stuff. He's, uh-huh. he's a smart guy. You I know. Bet. High level entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Super good. Well, let me guess. Like, you
0: said you're good, right? You...
1: No, well, he, he tried to step in and, like, he thought, like, oh, I, I can do this, and then boom, cleaned up. Oh, I'm cleaned sure. Up. We should have put bread on it. That's mm. what's happening next time. Mm carcassonne credits look just catch conversion. me
0: catch me on a good day i'll take you to the school i'll take you, you to school you don't know the rules and i don't I'll, need to I'll, know i'm gonna tell you like half the rules good to all, I, all i'm gonna need is one jeff winner <laughs>
1: <laughs> you can pay me an algorand by the way algorand go buy that shit on coinbase it's it's like ethereum but it's already upgrade next level you can build off the blockchain it's at an affordable price so you can get in there Reap the rewards. It also got 7% APR or whatever. So mm. you, you're continually earning 7% on your investment through mm. that, John. That's what's up. I like mm. a lot of what they're doing, and they have good backing. I know there's a million crypto. How the fuck do you get an APR out of crypto? I'll show Let's you see. because they, this is something Ethereum's trying to do right now. They're trying to design their own wallet where you can export your your stuff to a specific Ethereum wallet. Mm. Uh, but to, in order to do that, they have to convert to uh, proof of stake. Uh, transactions instead of proof of claim. Mm. But their issue with doing that, and they've been talking about doing it for so many months now, is that they have this huge developed network of users and investors Mm -hmm. so it can't fucking go wrong. They have to do it absolutely fucking perfect. Algorand has uh, very strong backing from some significant players as as well as this one guy, I forget his fucking name, but he's some elite cryptographer bull.
0: Mm.
1: And They're already a proof-of-stake platform, and so they're Mm. able to export things to this wallet at very low transaction costs at very fast Mm. speeds. And so as you can see right here, I have my Algorand wallet, and right here, these are the rewards piling up. You can see there's Mm. 5 cents that I cashed in, another Mm. 2 cents right there, but it just accumulates over time. The more Mm. you have, the more it feeds upon itself. And look, we're up to 9.93 cents on the dollar for Algorand right now. It's Mm. at an affordable place to get in. And unlike Dogecoin things like that that we've talked about, this has actual functionality. You can build off the blockchain. We're not going to get into all the... You know what, I'm not going to get into all that because I just read some articles like three days ago <laughs> to figure out what all this stuff means. But that means that I know more than all of you who haven't read articles <laughs> three days ago. And I'm telling you to go get some Algorand. That is A-L-G-O-R-A-N-D. You can get through Coinbase. And then what you do as you uh, transition it to your Algorand wallet, because they give you a superior return. Coinbase, I think, is 5%. They do 7 Okay. Yeah, yeah. Just a little talk for the people out there. Interesting. Tim talk. Taking you coast to coast doing the most. Interesting. Anyways, much love, Scrap Faithful. <laughs> uh, let us actually leave this time. Only, uh, oh, This one might, might only be like an hour and ten minutes. Oh, that's not bad. Nope. Not too far overboard. We love y'all. We love y'all. Stay tuned for the next one. Stay tuned for the next Z and Clay show. Stay tuned for the shit I'm going to be putting out later this week. This is going to drop Tuesday morning. You're listening to this on Tuesday, most likely. Anyways, I'm Timothy E.
0: Lewis. Jeffrey Akins.
1: Peace. Peace.